Some podcasts inspire their listeners. Some podcasts address important current events. Some podcasts make the world a better place. The Fish Golf Broadcast does the opposite, so buckle up for half an hour of wasted time. On this episode of the Fish Golf Broadcast, I sat down with Chris German of Gatekeeper Media. Chris, what you thinking about? Oh, the million things that need to be done for Gatekeeper Media right now. Okay, go ahead and complain. Well, so right now we have our next day coverage that we do with the Disc Golf Pro Tour. But aside from that, all of our NADGT events, uh, all of our Swedish international events, as well as our Australian events. Um, So this has honestly been the biggest year we've ever done in terms of just undertaking a lot of work. Um, And it's just a lot to just think about uh, all the different types of coverages and commercials and brandings that go with specific videos and specific tours. Uh, So, I mean, my mind is running 24-7, being the one who kind of sees all the the content through Gatekeeper. Yeah, and you're you're pretty much the final step in every process, right? Yeah. uh, There's only been in terms of coverage three times ever that I did not be the one to export to see the final product. <laughs> and this is going all the way back to 2019 when we started doing uh, next day or even 2018. Um, I've always been the one at the end to do those finishing touches, hit export and upload it. Um, we've since two times this year, one time last year where I didn't have to do that. Um, so it's cool to see that I'm starting to let my baby go a little bit uh, in terms of, being the the workflow and the production that we call gatekeepers coverage. Yeah, and I, I think that's critical whenever you're trying to scale up your business. Like originally, it was just you and Derek doing literally everything. Yeah, and uh, then it was a lot easier. We were only doing one tour of coverage. We were only focusing on one thing with some supplemental things. And as we continued to grow, Derek did a good job of bringing on more tours and more work. Um, I had to keep up with making sure the product got done. Um, and that comes with one optimization, making good workflows, but two delegating those tasks to other editors and bringing on people who are so passionate about the sport that they're okay spending four hours a night doing some pretty tedious, aimless tasks that not aimless, but tedious tasks that bring you the final product that everyone sees. Yeah, for sure. And, and, Listeners to previous episodes of the Fish Golf Broadcast who may have heard Derek Skull, and uh, as a reminder, Chris, all of our listeners are wealthy, wise, and generous to other people. Okay. Yeah. So just <laughs> I'm happy. Re- remember that you're speaking to a very erudite audience. Okay. Um, we'll have heard that Derek is kind of doing more of the business development and strategic side, whereas you're the technical guy. Yeah, when we first started, uh, it was split a little bit, but Derek's always been more of just the the biz dev and and sales, and then I've been more of that technical video editing, uh, graphical side of things. My background being in motion graphics and multimedia, uh, I learned a lot about design and motion graphics and animation, um, as well as like video editing and things like that. So I was able to kind of learn a lot in school that allowed me to, when I fell into this role, be able to wear a lot of hats, so to speak, which made the, the growth pretty easy at that time. Um, but now getting much harder to that point where putting processes in place and learning that not everyone knows what I know 
Um, <laughs> and that was the past two years have been really hard because we've been growing a lot the past two years and bringing a lot of people on tour. And I would always just assume that they kind of knew the easy things. And I think that was one of the biggest learning curves in all this was um, not everyone knows the video stuff that I know. So it's like putting that down so that a five-year-old knows how to do it is really uh, something I work on and making sure that anyone, if my mom picked it up, could understand how to technically do our coverage. Because it's pretty easy in the grand scheme of things. Um, it takes a lot of time and work and things like that, but it's pr it, once it's all in a checklist in front of you, anyone can kind of do it. Right. It's it's a very process-oriented thing. And uh, you are hiring five-year-olds, correct? You just kind of oh, yeah. un underpay my, them? My nephew. Yeah. He's already out here d doing half of our edits. So anything that you see that's not next day, that's that's my seven-year-old Yeah. Nephew. Any errors, uh, who do we direct complaints to from Gatekeeper? I'll take them. Yeah. Okay. I take them all. That's, that's probably best. He gets paid in, what, cookies and ice cream? I don't even have to worry about that, man. Wow. He just gets paid with my time. <laughs> <laughs> I play with him for 20 minutes, and I'm like, all right, go back to work. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, uh, so I asked this a little bit to Derek, but um, uh, peek behind the curtain. While I'm working with Gatekeeper Media, I'll often ask a question, and Derek or Chris will look at me like um, very cow-like, like plaintive, no emotion, just like dull eyes, think basically saying why would you ask me that and they'll they'll say that's a Derek question or that's a chris question um so i i asked Derek about the process that it takes to get you know an hour of coverage out but maybe you're the better person to to say like you're going to do next day coverage for a disc golf pro tour event and let's assume that that's one hour of final completed product what level of work goes into that when does it start uh, starts before the event even starts. Um, that goes into just like building the actual templates, getting all the drone and things in place. What What are templates? Templates are basically, so over the years, uh, any disc golf media company that you see, Joma Central or anyone, uh, we have templates built out where all of our graphics are already kind of in the place that they need to be in. Uh, and then you kind of just need to replace all that stuff uh, with the current things. Uh, it just saves the time of not having to rebuild your project every single time. So having the Pro Tour stuff and knowing what specific sponsors and how things go. We have our bag checks and that sort of thing. Um, you, you've got like a lower third score bar where... Yeah it already has like a placeholder for a player name or yeah, their sponsor. Yeah. And it's a placeholder to just give us a good idea of, uh, basically how to time out the project without having to put that information in right, right away. Or again, just building all that. So all that's already ready to go, which saves probably four hours or five hours of work come game day mm -hmm. by just taking that time to build out the project and the templates ahead of time, as well as like the, the distances for holes and like the intro that you see, like all those things are things that could be done ahead of time. So a lot of prep goes into the beginning of the week of doing that. Um, and getting us as close to ready before the event. Now, a lot of fires happen out there, a lot of supplemental shoots, things happen, other coverages that need to go out. You've even seen me put out multiple tournaments of coverage within like a five-day period. Sure. That can leak into that time. So that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I might not be able to take the time to make all those graphics. So now that starts leaking into actual game day and the morning of when we go out and film. Right, sure. Be because Gatekeeper also has some partnerships with various sponsors. So like you might do a collaboration with Ricky or somebody during the week. 
yeah, so there's a lot of moving parts that come along with that side of things, uh, which luckily I don't deal too much with until the post-production side of things. All that is kind of filmed and taken care of uh, with other departments. Um, but yeah, from there we then have the templates. We go out and film. Uh, once we go out and film with our three to four people, sometimes I go out and do uh, the slow-mo uh, if we need to. If not, we have someone else do it. But usually I then take the cards after nine holes. I know you guys might have heard this, but I'll go a little more deep into it. Um, I take the cards after nine holes, and Jomez uh, did this as well. And what that allowed, they were the first ones to do it, and that really changed the game. Where before everyone was taking the coverage, they would edit it, and then they would do the commentary the morning of. Mor- morning after. Or morning after, sorry. Um, Jomez a couple years ago made the big switch where they had enough people to pull the cards and start editing while they were still filming. And what that allowed was them to be able to do cover or uh, commentary at night, which then allowed an earlier release, which is what the fans all want. Oh, yeah. Um, so we kind of took that out of their playbook and was like, wow, that's so efficient. Like, we need a person out here to be able to edit while everyone else is. But once again, that requires scaling up so that you have adequate camera people to get, like, frequently you have four different cameras going usually, right? Yes. Um, luckily, the, the slow-mo cam can be done within those nine holes, so that's why there's a lot of times I'll just do the slow-mo and then get everything I need and then pull the cards. Uh, but yeah, it took a long time to get to that point where I could even take the cards and edit because for a while it was just me, Isaac, and Derek, or me and Derek, and we're not starting until we're done filming uh, because we were out there. It was only three-man crew. So as we grew, uh, that started to become more available now it's it's a must my goal is always to you being one of our commentators do the commentary that night so you have the next day all to yourself um so with that taking the cards and starting the editing process now we don't just start editing i then need to actually uh do what's called proxying and it's a little more technical in video editing but what that is is basically you're re-encoding all of your video files to make them smaller size um, and the reason that I do that, uh, it takes about an hour to like export everything. Um, I do that because then it allows me to upload our coverage to the web. So instead of, let's say, 100 gigabytes of footage just for the front nine. Is that really what it comes to usually? Like raw yeah, footage? Yeah, I would say roughly uh, the entire round comes to about 250 to 300 with everything gigabytes just for one round. So we usually go over a terabyte per uh, tournament. Um, but trying to upload 100 gigs to one person or even 200 gigs if I'm doing the back nine as well is, I mean, that would take forever unless you have the best internet in the world. So that wouldn't work. So what I did uh, was create proxies, which is used a lot in video editing for like 4K stuff to make it smaller so it's more digestible. I use it because the file sizes are smaller. So then what I do is that I upload it to our team members uh, back home. So we have a couple remote editors that then take that footage that I have, um, they download everything, and they're actually the ones who do a lot of the mastering and putting the graphics together, which I'll get to that point. Um, but once everything's kind of uploaded there, uh, while that's uploading, I should say, uh, because that does take time, I actually start editing the front nine. And that comes to editing the, I should say, the baseline coverage, which is the three camera setup, reaction, throw, and catch. Um, 
I've gotten very fast over the years. I guess that's why I still do it. Um, <laughs> my previous job, I worked uh, at an automotive place, and it was very grueling, the type of edits I had to do and the turnarounds. So, I mean, next day is actually pretty easy when I look at it now <laughs> because, I mean, there was times where my boss would tell me, hey, I need a video edit in four hours. And I'm like, oh, you want this, this, and this done in four hours? Um, so I look at this actually as a sigh of relief, but usually it takes me about two hours to edit that nine holes of coverage. And you don't have to pee in a bottle. Nope. I can take whatever breaks I want because mm -hmm. I'm the boss. <laughs> <laughs> um, so everyone's filming. I usually try to get it done by the time the team arrives, uh, because they're out there finishing filming the back nine. My goal is if I am done the picture edit and things are uploading and I can start doing other things by the time they get back, then we're on good time and good pace. And if you know anything about me, you've been hanging out with me, we've stayed a lot. I am a big advocate of time. My life, the processes and everything, people call me truly like the time master, the key master, because I know how long everything takes within Gatekeeper Media and how long people take to make the things within gatekeeper media i know how long our editor isaac takes to edit i know what holy is on roughly just through doing it so many times um so if i'm on that pace and everything's getting done then i'm in a good spot and i feel good about it um at that point when they come from the back i get the coverage so i can start the proxying process for the back nine to get it to our remote editor, which I'll get to. Um, but then Isaac, our throw cam and our longest standing uh, uh, employee uh, starts editing. So, which it's really nice to have a hybrid like that, someone who can film and edit. Uh, everyone says, oh, I can film and edit. But when it comes to the editing part, they don't put in the same type of work. Uh, so I do commend Isaac being someone who's multi uh, skilled there and being able to edit as well. So that takes a lot off me. So I actually don't even edit the back nine. So if you ever look at any of our coverage from the past two, three years, uh, the front nine, the back nine is edited by different people almost every time. And, and your nephew sometimes. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> um, he, well he does all the, the, the rewinds. And sure. Stuff, so, you know? so the, uh, the, when you say picture edit, that's taking the clips of raw footage and stitching them together into the video timeline. Yeah, uh, I, I call it baseline um, because picture edit's more like hitting like uh, like a picture lock in my, I guess you'd call it picture edit, but like I, in my mind, see picture edit more as like a picture lock, which is like the time that the video is, which is what I give you for commentary, where like once that time is in there and that, it doesn't change unless mm -hmm. it needs to, um, which would be more like a picture lock. Uh, would be what it is. But yeah, so the baseline gets edited. Isaac's editing the back nine. At that point, I usually start uh, doing our graphics, like the actual creation of our graphics. Um, the first thing is usually scores. All of our scores are generated through UDisk. We have an amazing partnership with UDisk uh, where they took some of our spreadsheets, created Anything that you see on the front-facing website, they allow us to be able to get in a spreadsheet form, which then allows me to take the time to build processes within After Effects. Uh, we use Adobe for all of our stuff for video editing for any video nerds out there. Um, but After Effects is my bread and butter. And I have a lot of optimization in our After Effects project where all I have to do, aside from changing maybe like their uh, ratings and their wins and things like that and what they're 
manufacturer logo is, I just drop in a, a text file uh, and basically all the graphics get made. It, it's like having written a really good Excel formula or something. That's exactly what yeah. it is. It is, I spent a lot of time writing out code that makes it so that if someone takes a bogey, it knows to make a red color and that they gain a stroke. Mm-hmm. Took a lot of time to build that, and I would say that's kind of like the bread and butter right there. I mean, that's what allows us to get next day, uh, is being able to create such good scores that are so dynamic uh, so quickly. So that usually takes about an hour, I would say, to do that, uh, to go through all the players. You can do it in 30 minutes if I'm not distracted and just kind of put my head down and work. And, uh, but usually at that time, I already just worked three, four hours like doing the editing and proxying. So I, this time, I usually take a little bit of a break and slow down because it's a little more just kind of waiting for the program to kind of do its thing as opposed to me having to kind of be knees deep and have my head in the computer. Um, so while I'm doing that, <clears throat> I then send everything to our remote editor. Uh, and then from there, he actually takes everything and starts mastering it. And when I say mastering it, that is replacing all of the assets or containers in that template that we originally were talking about. So all the scores that I create, the things that I already created, like the intro or any other things that need to be created in terms of graphics, I create during that time and send over to our editor. And then he starts actually piecing together uh, all that stuff, getting it ready for commentary. I would say that probably takes about two hours on his end. If we're going off of time here, we start filming at 3. I would say it's probably about 8 8 p.m. at this time. We usually try to shoot for 10 to 11 p.m. call time for commentary. Uh, So if it's around 8 p.m. and he's over there doing all the mastering, I can now kind of take a break. Um, Isaac is usually editing, finishing up at that time. Um, That's kind of when we get into the next step. So then Isaac would finish. We'd send that over to the editor. The editor would then either export the commentary version or send it to me and I'll export the commentary version. Um, And at this time, it's usually 9, 10 o'clock. We start getting around that time. It's usually when I kind of reach out to you and start getting commentary ready. Mm -hmm. I feel like I do a good job of getting it pretty close to the time that we say and have. I would say there's only been maybe a handful of times where really the wheels have fallen off and it's gotten <laughs> pushing to, you know, past midnight, 1 a.m. Yeah, sometimes there will be a little bit of equipment stuff or if uh, if commentary is remote, we'll have to, you know, make sure that equipment is set up correctly on both ends. Internet connection is good. We've got the, you know, the screen share and the correct correct resolution so it's not choppy. And then, like, I guess a couple times, y'all just haven't had enough computers to share at the right time. Yeah, that was an issue that we definitely ran into is, I mean, computers are expensive. And I thought we were pretty good uh, in terms of having computer space. But I learned that once my computer starts needing to be used for some smaller tasks, I mean, it it cascades and it just it can turn everything upside down uh, because now things start taking slower. I have other people exporting things. Um, so it really becomes an issue. Uh, since then, we've luckily have gotten more equipment, so we aren't running into that issue anymore. Uh, but I would say the beginning of this year, 2023 specifically, uh, we've ran into that issue, and you and I have been side by side for a lot of that, where that one computer uh, comes into play and does pose an issue uh, for commentary. <laughs> Well, 
What's up, folks? Derek Skull with Gatekeeper Media, and I listen to the Fish Golf broadcast while I twiddle my thumbs. I'm Nate Perkins, and I listen to the Fish Golf broadcast while I condition my hair. If you like where this show is headed, stick around for part two. We'll never barrage you with 11 minutes of droning external ads to start the show. So please support the Fish Golf broadcast by visiting discgolfbra.com for hats and other apparel. Fish stamp discs are available at fishdiscgolf.com and daddydiscgolf.com. And you can save 10% on upperparkdiscgolf.com with the code ANDREW10 on backpacks and other items. And now, more lies and outrageous claims from our guest, met with calm reason by Fish. So it takes us an hour 15 or so to do commentary, and then I go to sleep, and then I find you in weird positions on the couch like seven hours later. Yeah. What so happens in that interim time? That's the fun time. <laughs> uh, that's, uh, that's what I call me time. It's kind of when I get serenity and peace and quiet from everyone, because everyone goes to bed. Sometimes Isaac stays up, but that's usually the time where I usually am doing the finishing touches there. So it's usually around midnight, I would say. Um, that's usually when our editor is finishing all the mastering in terms of like doing our shot counters, uh, adding in those sort of things. He then sends me the project back. Um, I then take the next steps where if I'm ambitious and proactive, I would have taken the time to go through all of our B roll and create our intro during, while you're doing commentary. Uh, sometimes I'm exhausted and I don't want to do that at that time. So I take a break. So that doesn't start until you guys are done. I would say that's probably 45 minutes of going through B-roll, setting up the bag checks, that sort of thing. Um, and then usually our editor is doing all those little finishing touches. So I usually around midnight to 1 a.m. I'm getting what is close to the final product. Um, at that point, I then start adding in the B-roll. There's a lot of other little nuances to the coverage like the graphics that go over our rewind or certain banner ads that need to be placed we have outside advertisements that aren't part of the pro tour which a lot of the ads you see in our stuff is through the pro tour ads and through the uh like title sponsors and stuff but we have outside sponsors that need to get added in and that's a lot of the stuff i do is just that little buttoning up that you're talking about I would say that then usually takes an hour to two hours. So now we're pushing it to 3 a.m. Um, and that's usually the time that I can hit export. So there's been, I mean, it happens to everyone, but I mean, we're always trying to go so quick uh, that this is a very crucial time uh, to make, because this is it. This is the last chance you got type of deal. Uh, so like putting in the commentary, making sure everything's synced, making sure all the bad stuff is cut out, everything's there. Like um, me saying fuck. Yeah. We could say fuck? Fuck. Oh, fuck yeah. All right. <laughs> Go birds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, basically around two or three, uh, I do those little finishing pieces and that's kind of when you see me well, you, you're still sleeping, but that's kind of when I the couch becomes my my bed. Mm -hmm. uh, the reason I do that, and I've learned, I mean, I've been doing next day and seeing it out since 2020. So through all those years, I mean, I've gotten more and more sleep year after year. It used to be one hour sleep a night or no sleep, then it was two hours. I would say now I can probably get anywhere from four to a full night of sleep, uh, depending on how it goes. But it's very crucial to get the coverage out as quick as possible. So usually at this point, I sleep on the couch because I don't want to fall asleep and not wake up. Mm -hmm. 
if I just go into the bed, I might not wake up. So usually I just go on the couch, floor, something like that. And that's always a really weird time for me, if I'm being completely honest, um, because I'm like setting an alarm and then I'm tired. So then I'll snooze it. And then like it's exporting the videos. So like, so I always just try to time it so that I can get enough sleep so that I'm not like messing up my sleep, but then also like keep the coverage coming out. Because yeah. Cause like while that export is happening, you can't do anything about it, but once it's done, it's kind of back to active time. Exactly. And that's something that we instill in our culture here uh, with everyone is like, get to a point where you can automate something and then that's when you take your breaks. Don't take your break while you're editing whole one or two. Like take your break when you're sending it over, you're exporting or something like that. Take your shower when you're transferring the footage over or something like that. So I think uh, that's just really big in our culture is like, because again, it goes back to the whole time thing. I've spent so many years and so much time perfecting this that I know how long things take. And I know that if you're transferring something that takes 15 minutes, that's the perfect time to take a shower or anything like that. And that's really what I try to push to the team is no waste of time, really, because we want to get it out as quick as possible. So usually around three or four is, this doesn't take wild exports, like an hour. So it's usually done around like four local time. Now, if we're on the West Coast, then it's already seven back home, and then internet becomes a play. Uh, internet is very, very, very important to me and the workflow and the whole process. Because you've already uploaded and then your remote editors have downloaded and then you've got to download their stuff after they've re-uploaded it. Now you're uploading to YouTube. Yeah. And the uploading to YouTube is the one that usually takes a little longer, um, Sometimes I don't have good internet. So sometimes all this stuff gets thrown out of, out of the loop. I mean, there was times, Jonesboro specifically, we were a little out of town and I didn't have a good internet source. So my only good internet source was the course. So then I drove 40 minutes to sit at the course in a car on to upload or sit in a car on my personal hotspot to upload. I can't even think of the amount of times I've just sat in a car or sat outside of an Apple store to upload the coverage for people. And I think that moment, I mean, it's been very frustrating because usually I'm like, why can I have good internet then and there? But I also think that that adversity that I go through is also what makes me who I am is like those late nights of staying up, making sure the videos get uploaded. Uh, I just feel good about it when I'm done it. Like once it is uploaded and it's now 5 AM or whatever it may be, um, and then it's uploaded. I hit live on everything. I then know I can go to sleep. I would say it's usually around anywhere from 5 a.m. to 8 a.m., depending. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, I then go to sleep for whatever time. It might be an hour. It might be four. Who knows? At that time, usually uh, highlights, uh, social media posts, things like that, are being created by other members of our team. Um, and then it kind of becomes rinse and repeat at that point. So I would wake up around like noon or something like that, get some me time, get some lunch, and then we're filming by three and then on to the next. And you do it one time, it's not that bad. Do it three times, yeah, you get a little burned out. Do it for five years, I mean. It, you do a four-round tournament with a short turnaround to the next week. Yeah, if you do two four-rounders back-to-back, uh, it can really catch up to you. Uh, even though I am probably still getting an ample amount of sleep, it's the 
splitting up the sleep. It's like finding these things that I need to, to keep me going, uh, coffee naps, uh, cold exposure, uh, to like wake me up, things like that. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's been a lot, but I've always enjoyed it. But again, that internet thing is always the biggest (laughs) issue. And I will always say that is just having good internet out on the road truly and honestly is the hardest thing, uh, to the whole process. If we had good internet and you've seen times where we've had great internet. I'd say the workflow is much quicker, better. Oh yeah. Coverage gets out at two, three AM sometimes and it's on to the next and it's great. But when we have those times like at Jonesboro, uh, where I'm driving forty minutes one way just to get a reliable internet source, uh, that's where the toll kind of sneaks up on you and you can really start getting burned out. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know this is a, a super deep dive into the the nuts and bolts of how commentary gets, or not commentary, but coverage gets made. Um, like I see, I see kind of the tail end of it, mm-hmm. and like all I'm trying to do is put down a good commentary track that you don't have to mess with. Um, and sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, Chris, overall, how many hours w- would you estimate it takes your entire team to put together? for one hour of coverage Mm -hmm. Uh, to see it from when we start filming to when the video goes live I would say that's anywhere from 10 to 14 hours of just time real 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 time time. yeah so I would say that's about how long it takes to to get it done uh, in real time in terms of hours put in I mean close to 24 I would say at least Uh, you've got a minimum of three people filming for three to three and a oh, half hours. Oh, I didn't even include the, the filming. <laughs> you add the filming in there. I mean, 16. Yeah, I mean, we're clo- closer to 30 hours at that point. And then the prep time for all the stuff, the amortized time of you building uh, various automated functions. Mm-hmm. Like, you're pretty much pushing 48 hours, I would bet, per video. Um, and with that in mind, I would like you to give an impassioned speech to the the negative commenters on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> I stopped caring about them years ago. Man. <laughs> uh, 20, uh, 2018, I remember I made a commercial. It was for Greg Barsby when he won the Worlds. And uh, I thought it was a good commercial. It was a little psychedelic. It was a pretty poppy, a uh, little seizure-inducing. The internet ripped me a new one that day. Uh, and when I read the line, the boss should fire the guy who made this. I laughed because I made it and I'm the boss. Right. So once that happened, I think, and I mean, I got literally torn up in the comments from that. Not me personally, but Gatekeeper. Um, and I think that's when I just got desensitized by it. And like now I just look for, I read every comment, but I look for the proactive ones and the productive ones that give good feedback. And then I just laugh at the other ones. Sometimes they need to be put in their place. Mm-hmm. If, if the other uh, fans of ours don't, um, which Derek and I have done in the past where it's like, Hey, you want to get this one? Like, yeah, I get that <laughs> one. Uh, and we usually make smarky, snarky remarks or something like that. But I mean, and that's kind of our culture and that kind of is how we are. So I like that it bleeds into our YouTube a little bit, but I mean, to be honest, like none of that stuff really bothers me anymore. I, I read every comment and I, I actually like the negative ones because half the time I just laugh at them. Yeah. I... <laughs> um, do, do you have any like technical inspiration or sharing that happens between you and other media teams throughout the year? 
Yeah. Um, so for the past two years at the World Championships, we've collaborated with Jomez Pro uh, to provide chase card check-ins for their Worlds coverage. Uh, going back to 2021, uh, when James won Worlds, which was a magical time. Everything happened perfectly. Uh, it was a great video, great production. I would say that's one of the most proud productions to be a part of. And just collaborations was not one, just everything that happened with us, but then also to see our stuff with Jomez and to see 1.5 million views on that final round of James and it being such a great like sports moment in history. Like it was just great, that collaboration. We did it last year as well uh, in Emporia. Not the same effect uh, because obviously it wasn't the same type of event. Uh, didn't have draw the same type of uh, finale there. I mean, it was still really good, but the, the chase car check-ins didn't feel as impactful as that other year. Um, but I would say that we have a good, really good working relationship with them, uh, as well as just being contracted time and again for them to do things. Uh, PDGA is a really big collaborator and contractor of ours where we actually uh, did a couple majors this year that live on their channel exclusively. Uh, so that's something we're diving more into is actually uh, creating coverage for other channels like the Pro Tour or like you were saying earlier, making things for Dynamic Disc and Ricky or anything like that. Um, so all of those relationships kind of hang in the balance while all this is kind of going on. Um, and they come, it, it depends on the event when to do it. I would say the Worlds this year, I mean, I can't speak for them, but I would say they're probably going to want to try to do something similar of a chase card check-in or something like that. For sure, especially as deep as the MPO field has gotten. Like, if you're not keeping track of three or four cards deep, you're liable to miss something. Yeah, I mean, we've like, gotten three chase card wins this year alone, which mm -hmm. is insane after going so many years uh, with only one or two here or there. I can't believe this asshole is putting spoilers on my podcast. Dude live sports there's no <laughs> um, but like I, I think one uh myth or sentiment that i'd like to dispel and i can't do it alone is the the kind of like joe mez or nothing mentality that many social media warriors seem to have um like disc golf only grows well when we're kind of all growing together and all pulling on the same rope yeah and i think we all know that and we who are embedded in, in the, in the industry or, yeah. yeah the people in the industry know that where the people on the internet don't really see that they think there's big rivalries here or there like we've been close with jomez for many many years um i think we're again we're all trying to do the same thing so like that's why i mean we even saw it with pro tour and jomez uh combining together is we all want the same goal, and that's for disc golf to grow. And I know that kind of sounds cliche. A lot of people say that. But, I mean, that's truly how I feel when I'm out there. Like, when I see those people, yes, they're still technically a competitor. Uh, they're a competing channel. But at the same time, I don't – it's a different type of competition. I see it as a competition to make our coverage better with bells and whistles to, to optimize it and to do things better. Not to be like, oh, we're trying to knock them out and mm -hmm. make it so they're not in the industry anymore. And I think that a lot of the fans don't understand that. And they just think it's like, Oh, Joe Mez or nothing, or I'm not even going to watch gatekeeper, man, <laughs> they must really not like each other. This or that. And it's none of that's there. We're all I, for, from my perspective. I think what we all want is really good disc golf on display. Exactly. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter whose channel gets that. Yeah. My goal, I mean, as 
like me for gatekeeper what i want to see and what i've always wanted to do is one educate people within disc golf and i think that's something that i am passionate about within everything is like trivia uh that's why the bag checks the form checks like a lot of those things were things that i truly felt would be a good way to bring education to the broadcast Mm -hmm. um but aside from that like you're saying just capturing good disc golf i mean i've seen things that have literally made my jaw drop behind the camera and i get giddy about like editing that and knowing that people are going to get to watch that and the fact that i get to do that for a living and then share it with people and it gets it Literally, the amount of people that see these videos fills up a football stadium, which is like crazy to think. I like I remember I used to be happy if I got 100 views on a video. And it's like now I look at something I'm like, man, this only has 50,000 views on it. And it's like, (laughs) that's impressive. That's that's almost the link. So I think just like just the passion behind the disc golf of seeing the great disc golf is why I do it. And it pushes all the negatives aside uh, just because I just I love the sport yeah for sure well Chris thank you so much for joining me Um, if you really liked this podcast and want to compliment me on it uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at fish58320 and if you hated the podcast you think that the uh, the editing is inept on everything that gatekeepers had ever done where can folks find you Chris other than the gatekeeper media, you can find me at Chris underscore germ on Instagram. I mean, I don't really post too much there because I'm usually just really into gatekeeper stuff. So I don't really share a lot of my personal life outside of that. But uh, you can find me there. You could also go to gatekeepermedia.com. Uh, you can go to our shop. You can support us there. We have a bunch of plastic uh, merchandising there as well as our Patreon. Uh, that's a big place for us. That is kind of what keeps us going, keeps the lights on. That pays for all of these operational costs. I mean couple hundred dollars a month just on the video editing software alone so the things add up so all of our patron members i'm i'm huge fan of them and for them supporting us year after year all right chris uh what video whether it's yours or another do you want people to go watch to understand what awesome disc golf looks like oh man there's some good ones uh 2021 gmc round one uh, Chandler Fry tears up uh, Brewster Ridge uh, at GMC. Shoots an amazing round. Uh, he's in the lead. I would say that was one of my favorite rounds to ever watch, film, edit. Um, and it's at one of my favorite courses being over there at Brewster. Um, I would say that probably 2021 GMC round one. It's got Chandler Fry, Simon, a couple other people on it. Some of the best golf I've ever watched. All right. Go birds. Go birds. That's all for this episode of the Fish Golf Broadcast, but be sure to check out previous episodes and subscribe wherever fine podcasts are sold. Check out Fish Golf Broadcast hats and other apparel at discgolfbra.com and badger your friends until they listen too. Join us next time as I goad yet another guest into starting a fight with another touring player, campsite host, or toll booth attendant on the Fish Golf Broadcast.